0: The Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Welcome to a journey down memory lane that's sure to ignite your passion for the club we all adore This is walking down the Holbeath Road the podcast that reunites us with the legends who graced the pitch at East End Park. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkevich, and I invite you to lace up your virtual boots as we step onto the hallowed turf of Dunfermline Athletics history. This podcast is your ultimate destination for all things Dunfermline Athletic former players, and we'll be sitting down with the heroes who made dreams come true, scored unforgettable goals, and carved their names into the hearts of us PAR supporters. Each episode will deep dive into the stories that shaped their careers, from the early days to the highs and lows of football, from promotion battles to cup triumphs. These players have witnessed it all, and now they're ready to share their memories, the dressing room tales, and insider insights with you. In this latest episode, we speak to former captain Callum Morris, who had two spells at the football club. Callum started his career as Boyhood Heroes Newcastle United, before joining Dunfermline in 2012 when he was signed by then-manager Jim Jeffries. He later rejoined in 2016 when Alan Johnson brought him back to East End Park and made him club captain. So sit back, relax as we walk down the Holbeath Road with Callum Morris. Right, Callum, great to catch up with you, mate. How How's life treating you?
1: Good, yeah. No, nice to see you. Nice to see the pictures in the background, I know. So in your support. Very nice. Um, not good. A lot of change recently, so um, not playing anymore. Just a uh, bit of a change of track, but um, nothing's been good. Been able to mm. have a chance to go to a couple of filming games this season. Brilliant, mate.
0: And I'm right in saying you're, you're back staying in Scotland, aren't you? You're up in Dundee.
1: Yeah, back, yeah. So my wife's from Dundee, so um, when my daughter was born earlier this year, we decided that um, we'd move back up and then she's got more support, all her family and friends are up here and stuff, so it was easier for her to, um, with the baby and all that kind of thing, and having people close by and everything, so we've we've moved back up. But to be fair, it's it's not a big deal to me, I quite like it up here, I've got plenty of friends and a little bits of family and myself up here. So, yeah, it's been good, it's been nice being back. Perfect.
0: Right. We'll start at the very beginning, mate. So you were born in February nineteen ninety. So what was uh, early life like for for a young Callum Morris growing up in Newcastle?
1: It was yeah, it was brilliant. Um I, I suppose my mum and dad aren't from Newcastle, so it's not like I was um born into like a massive geody stronghold of a house watching Newcastle every week. So I remember about I my first game when I was six. Um and I think it was Rude Rude Hollard's first game, Kyle and James's. That was my first day, so my dad took us, and I don't think I went back for years and years after that, and probably until I was I was in, in high school, but we're quite a nice suburb of Newcastle where we were, so it was quite, um, I had all my friends and mates around me, um, all went to the same school, that kind of thing, but then when I was seven, we moved uh, um, which is where my dad's from, but all my mother's family are from as well one of my other brothers was born there so like there was a there was a lot of change then as well so it's probably still being good stuff for a football career because I've been here there and everywhere and every couple of years moving and different club a different city different people but I think that's part of life actually I think all those experiences are what you need to go and do but and then after that back back to Newcastle and then I was there until um probably I was about 20 21 was when I kind of mm-hmm. first moved away from Newcastle so no, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing now looking at the city and what's happened just with a bit of um, investment and in, um, in the football club, the city's got a new levels of anticipation, excitement, um, Champions League footballs back, all that kind of thing. So it's, it's buzzing to be fair, and you could you can kind of it's palpable to see. You can feel it when you're just walking about, and the buzz just it's crazy how much it means to people, um, which is a lot similar to them actually. After yeah, what the club went through when I was there the first time and stuff so um, the similarities but no it was a nice place to grow up. Uh, it's always changing every time I go back it's, it's a different place so um, yeah it's a nice place to call home but it's actually quite nice visiting rather than living it's nice everyone yeah. it makes an effort when you visit so it's <laughs> uh, yeah it's a nice place to, to have grown
0: up Going back to those early days of watching Newcastle who was your heroes and what game is there any games that you can remember Watching as a kid, and
1: well, when the first kind of then unless Bobby Robson me, one of my best mate. we we you up know, we saw all the the Champions League games, he went all the away games, but we went to all the, the home games, so there was um, there was some big games. I always remember, but would be Juventus 1 0, and uh, Andy Griffin scored. Now, I don't know if many people can remember Andy Griffin, the right back, but uh, yeah. he scored an absolute banger from from outside the box. That was that was a big game, but it was kind of it was almost you know you, it becomes the norm. You know they they were challenging for the Premier League in the top four all the time, like the old top four, so to speak. Champions League football and European football all the time, and then obviously from then on it was a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but I don't know. I don't think there was any. I mean, you can't look much further than than Shira, can you? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I always remember as a as a kid at Newcastle, we'd, the PFA used to send people out and a big thing was like, who would you look up to in, in the football club in your position? And I always remember the PFA rep being like, oh, you don't really have anyone at centre-back to look up to, so you should, you're better off looking at a different club. It's <laughs> I was, I was a little bit harsh, but, but tight as Bramble and people playing the time, and, um, and they were good players, but yeah, I think you won't get many people in Newcastle that, that look look past you, Nobby Solano people like that
0: especially especially as a local boy eh? Newcastle fans love like locals making it like your Gazas and Chrissy Waddles yeah. and all that as
1: well yeah it's massive I think yeah you you always need a few you need yeah. even like look at Dan Boone now mm-hmm. you know what I mean like no one even who like I could I bet half Newcastle fans didn't know Dan Byrne was from from Blyard just outside Newcastle until we signed him and they're like oh right yeah. Yeah, he's a jury so yeah um, it does make a big difference, and I think they can. They know what the fans expect and the passion of the I know everyone, you know, it's, it's nowadays social media and stuff. It's easy to see, isn't it? But if you've got someone there who's who's lived it, it makes mm-hmm. a big difference, and then people buy into it. Like you look at the the we have got now, Greg Emmerich and Julian, and, and them people they love it. But from now the outside now, looking in, it looks like they love it anyway. The passion, yeah, so yeah. That kind of. Connect the football club to, to the fan base, mm-hmm. which is which is really true. Yeah,
0: and what what was your kind of early journey uh, playing like youth football, and then obviously that you you join your boyhood heroes uh, eventually. So, what was kind of that pathway for you? So, I did, I, to
1: be fair, I didn't. I used to play rugby, right? And, um, which you could probably tell sometimes when he see trying to tackle people. But I used to play with a lad who played for football the local team, and mm-hmm. one he was one of my best mates and he said he was like a bet at school he said I bet he wouldn't come with football training I said I bet I would so anyway I ended up going and signing for, for a team um, called Walker Central which is it's quite a big boys club in Newcastle but it's not like the dominant it's not like the, the walls End the famous ones with all the the big hitters like the Shearers and people that have come through but um, we turned out to have a really good team so we had half the team probably signed for Newcastle and went to other places Um but I, didn't, I never really wanted to go. I, just, I loved. I love playing boys club football, so I kind of put it off and put it off, and then there was other clubs interested, and then Newcastle like, well, we're, we're kind of, we can't really hold on, because this is like two years, you've kind of said, you know, you want to keep playing and whatever, and um, so I think I was like 14, made the decision, right, we'll, we'll go and, and sign, so there was me and a few others who so I'd play with the boys club, Ball we'll signed sign at the same time, and at first I hated it, because even at that age, it's not... It's, it's not exactly pressures, but the expectations more. They expect you to be able to do more technically and tactically. Um, and they're probably at that age, when you're just about to kind of go full-time, they're probably testing you as well to make sure if you're going to go full-time, you're ready. But luckily, the, my, my youth team in Newcastle at that time, we were like unbeaten one season. So like we had a really, really strong team and the club, thankfully kept the majority of it together which was nice to consolidate going from like schoolboy into the full-time kind of youth team um so there were some really good players and then it was nice to kind of go on the journey a bit with them and we were quite lucky that they, they'd be going through a bit of a transition at the time at the club so like the the reserve manager changing stuff so a lot of us who were went in at full time 16 the academy then jumped straight up into the reserve so into the first team like training ground at 17 which was amazing because you were around, you know, like big, big international players like the Michael Owens and, and you Butts some people like that on a daily basis. Um, Was, that, that, was, quite, a a, was that quite
0: surreal? Or as a young lad, do you just kind of take that for granted? It's just like, ah, this is just my life. It was, nah, it, it's
1: like you'd surreal. You go in into training and, in and, like,
0: there? Michael Owen walks past you, like, you're just thinking, ah, it's fine. It's like, that's just Michael it, I think
1: it is a bit like, I suppose it depends who you when you're in there. It is it's normalised because they're like normal blokes and they're all like there might be one or two who are like on great. Most of them have all been there and they're really good. It's helping you, and they'll all come and chat you. And you know when you train, they'll help you out. When you because they can tell you know if you go in at sixteen, seventeen, and these lads are playing like World Cups, they know that you need a little bit of leeway, but when you then I would then go home, I'd go meet my mates, they'd be like, "Wow, you like and then it, it you you get like the fans' perspective on it and you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Like I've just sat and done head tennis with Michael Owen, Joey Barton or whatever. And I mean, mate, that's yeah, shit, do this, you know. So when that's kind of that thing where it kind of being from the city and being a fan and then actually playing and working at the club kind of all aligns and there's so many different kind of emotions that go along with it. But It does become normal, I think. Um,
0: I suppose, though, because you're a local boy and you're a fan, it must have been quite hard to switch off, like you were saying, like your friends are constantly in your ear about it. You just can't, like, escape it. Was that quite difficult?
1: um, It is and it isn't, but when I look back on it, as much as I loved my time at Newcastle, you think, would I have been better going to one of those other clubs that I could have signed for? And then you're completely out of, like, not the fishbowl, because I wasn't really, like, you know, I wasn't, like, a big, a big star or anything so it's hard for them but taking yourself out of like the environment of everything being there on your doorstep and like you're playing for the club and you just love having a badge on your chest and it's like you're there it would have been more beneficial if i if i'd gone to, like a, a cell lake or an it or wherever else um and being like someone from outside the area and being taken up the comfort zone so there's another I, I wouldn't change it but you'd always that there's obviously this slight indoor moments where it could have been a bit different. Um, but I loved every minute of it. The people you meet and um, being able to like, play for the club with a load of mates that I played with from like four, even you know, some of them until I left, like 2021. It was amazing. But yeah, it is, it's it's a, it's a trick you want, especially on a match day when you're, if you're in the squad, you're kind of around it. So you're in that kind of game day mindset. But if you're not, you're like, I would just sit in the stand with mates because you all got a few tickets. So I'd be sit in the stand. So they'd be like, screaming and bawling at the players and I'm like I can't really do that <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was amazing like it, and it, it just goes past so quickly and you know yeah. back now like, you thought yeah. I was there for a lifetime but I was only there for I don't know like eight years or whatever it was but mm-hmm. um yeah it was amazing
0: See, see, in two thousand and eight, I was reading a, a press article, and your coach Adam Sadler had touted you and a couple of other boys as like the next big thing to to break through. Did that did that add a bit of pressure on you sir, as a young lad?
1: You didn't like. I didn't see any of this social media and stuff wasn't big then, and like for when the paper, I didn't about it. So a lot of that stuff I've only seen when people have brought it up, or like maybe like family members. You'd be like, oh look, what's in the paper, or this, that, this, other. So. Um, I never. I, I don't know. I, I. You know, it's weird. Like it's kind of that kind of uh, imposter syndrome thing. Like I never thought. I never really thought I was part of the first team or anything like that. Or I was more of like a, I enjoyed my time and playing the reserves, and I. But you kind of knew. You kind. I kind of knew that I wouldn't play in that first team. Um, and I suppose what teams do now is that they, they, they do well like get. Players into different clubs when they're going to leave. Like you looked at some of the lads who, maybe my age, there wasn't that many, but a couple of kind of foreign lads are brought in, and at my position, one of them, especially, was really a great lad. He was a really good player. And you be like, well, I mean, I'm just being knocked back down the pack in order again. And then I had a couple of injury things when I was meant to make my debut, and that can kind of knock me back and stuff as well. So, yeah, I don't think any of that kind of stuff. As much as today, I mean, it kind it's like it blows up, doesn't it? So these players yeah. are like. As soon as you open the phone, they will see it everywhere. The next big thing, you've seen so many of them. Say probably because of that. So, in a way, you are quite um, sheltered from it, which is probably beneficial. You can just go in and train and get all your work, and you'd only hear it if the coach said to you, and they'd say it in, the, in a manner which probably wouldn't be misleading or to your career, I suppose. Yeah.
0: And during your your time there, Kevin Keegan returned to the club. What what was Kevin Keegan like? Did you have much dealings with him?
1: Okay, well, my only friendly appearance of the club was under Kevin year so that was amazing Um so we were I remember the, when he came in him and Terry McDermott the, the first pre-season anyone who was under the age it wasn't like if you weren't in the first team proper but you were up with the first team we all had to go in a week before the rest of the first team for pre-season to make sure we were all up to like fit enough to compete with the first team but little things like that like other coaches maybe at the time probably wouldn't have thought that so we came in and we hit the ground running when the first team came in and stuff. So we gave us all a right chance to um, to progress. But, I mean, we had some big, big hitters at that point. And then there was a lot of turmoil. That was when they had the boycott when, we, when the championship we played against Coventry, I think, it's St. James's. And there was like 27,000 there. There's like 25,000 people boycotted the game and stuff. So it was crazy that time. But even still... um. I think us in the reserve team at the time although we are in the same training ground like even then you were sheltered from you know you'd, I can't remember ever hearing like whispers of you know when you change room now you're a bit older like people talk and you hear whispers of what's going on I, I can't unless I just switched off from it I can't remember any like getting, hearing things I just remember going in and going brilliant I mean again today going train go to the gym do all my stuff and just loving it um, which maybe was a bit naive as well at the same time maybe if, you know, you look at some players now who who go and captain clubs at 18, 19 or whatever. Um, they're probably more in tune with. They're probably a little bit more mature in that sense that they realise it's it's bigger than just going and training. You've got to understand the dynamics of the club and maybe the politics a little bit, and maybe pick the other first team players a bit more than than I did and others did. Maybe so. Um, but no, Keegan was brilliant. I, I just remember I never take boots off. Like, you go in the canteen after training for lunch and he'd still be wearing his boots, like, walking around having his lunch and all that, little things like that. He was just, like, football daft and just played head tennis. I remember him playing head tennis and non-stop. But um, well, they were from that era. They were from, like, the the uh, the boot room kind of thing at Anfield and stuff, When him and, and Terry Mack and stuff. Um, But they were great blokes. They were tough at the same time. Like, yeah. I remember being a, a bit like a senior cup game, you know, when you play, like, Stumpham, play, play Green Island, like, and we got beat off a, off a team and uh he had us all in a meeting and then the man of first team manager he obviously came in and he went absolutely mental and like after when you sit back you think that's pretty amazing of him to come in and give us a bollock. And really because some of them would have just looked well none of them are good enough i wasn't going to bother with him but he came in and he as much as we got like a rocket it showed that he he, he cared about because at his first reserves and everything he chucked it up. um so obviously maybe his he probably wasn't allowed to do that at the time, but he'd obviously changed his mind on youth development mm. stuff by that point. Mm. Brilliant! And during that time,
0: you you um, were picked to play for Republic of Ireland. So I think it was under twenty one level. You you played. So how did all that come about? Like, who? Where was the Irish connection for you?
1: So when I first went full time, like you all filled out like a form thing of um, what in. that? Seems you could potentially play for, and the club would then go out and contact them and, and say, I could have played for like England, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland. So I ended up picking the Republic of Ireland. um My dad's in West Belfast, and then my mum's whole family's from Waterford. So it was a natural, natural kind of path to take. So um nothing really happened with it the I time. And I remember getting, I think it was under 17s, but I had all sorts of injuries. Probably it's probably been a story of my career but when I was that age growing and all that kind of thing, so I had like stress fractures in the back and so I missed out on a full campaign but and at the time you think, oh no I'm never going to get back in but then I got called up to the to the 19s which was um which was amazing it's like another it's opened your eyes to another world I remember being it's the same thing I was saying about being sheltered like in Newcastle I was probably getting, like, ninety quid a week or whatever. And to be fair, you don't even not about the money in the slightest. And then I went away with Ireland we had these lads who get like Chelsea not getting like five, eight, nine, ten grand a week, at like eighteen. I was like, this is like this is crazy. Um they were really good players, but I suppose that's the thing when you when you're signing players, when you're trying to lure a player from, you know, who's got options. So we're just throwing money at them and a lot of them to be fair some did alright and a lot of them you probably never heard of again which was, which was quite sad but it was an amazing experience going away and travelling around Europe to different places and different you know different cities you'd never would have gone to you know, like Georgia and Armenia and parts of Turkey and Russia and all these places that you'd never would have seen otherwise um, and it was a whole new level of football as well especially not as much you know the, the, the team I was playing in but the teams you play against it was like something you weren't really exposed to, playing in youth football in, in England, especially. Um, Everyone was quite similar at the time. It wasn't like it is now where the Guardiola and people have come in and it's the way you play football. It would, that probably helped me a lot, actually, when I came back. And it gives you a big confidence boost when you come back to the club when you've been away. Um, Especially when, at the time, you could probably just be lost in like, the mire of all the youth team. It kind of gives you a little bit of a... A medal on your chest that you've kind of gone and done something different. You've you played in national mm-hmm. football, so that was great. And then getting the, getting called up the twenty ones. Then when I was like nineteen or something, probably the same thing when you, you, you kind of plateauing a bit in the youth team and you're not really getting time. We didn't really loan players out, so you didn't you couldn't quite read really friendlies and um, reserve games, youth games, and so that was that was amazing as well. And played with some some really good like 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 Seamus Coleman and people like that were in my team. So there were some players who've gone on and hit. Like the the real heights. Um but again, everyone's so down to earth. I don't know if it was part of the thing culturally with everyone being so friendly and like uh, the nature of the, the, the Irish players and um but it was amazing. It was used to love you'd train play and you'd look to an international window and you'd be away again and, playing and it And yeah, it was a nice it was a nice thing to do actually because at that point you have you don't have any of the worries like some mortgages and didn't drive at the time there was no of that stuff it was just all total football it was amazing brilliant
0: and then by 2010 you you get released by newcastle so what what was that experience like was that really tough obviously being a local boy and a supporter
1: um not no it was weird not not really um i remember having come like we just won the championship again and I'd spoke Colin Collard was on the coach at the time. I remember I had, you just chatted him um probably a couple of months before I'd left the club. And he was like, Well, he was obviously as a first team coach, he desperately had promoted and he was like other I mean, lads you know, like you should you should hope be desperate for the club not to go up. Because if we don't go up, you've got a chance, but if we go up, you know, we had like Colicini and people out who are playing for Argentina, playing centre back. Um you know you know it was quite refreshing have someone who was quite honest because a lot of coaches wouldn't say that so i kind of you know you have you have an idea in your mind and i remember having everyone got released and i would they left me literally the last week of the season so n- nothing had been said to me so um everyone was like oh yeah you're getting you'll be getting a new deal i left it so long and even the first team players like the younger ones stevie taylors and people like that were like oh yeah if you need any help we negotiate the contract this second so i had a meeting with Chris Hutton was the manager at the time, and um, it was like probably one of the most positive meetings you'll ever have. Yes. the outcome was I got released, so I came out of it like full of confidence because mm-hmm. you know the club we're going to get something sorted, and it's just you need to go and play games. and Attitude was brilliant, and wish sure, like it was. And it was all stuff I probably already knew, but it was nice to have it reaffirmed by someone who was like, You just won the championship when you're casting So, um, so the. That day in itself was, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a shock because I kind of, I had not understand the situation and it was really positive, but that very quickly kind of went, not so, but a lot of the things that were lined up that were going to happen, I had a couple of clubs I was interested in, this sat and the other, they'd all just kind of disappeared so quickly. And that's when like, you see like the, the, not the dark side of football, but you see the other side of football, like it's not, it's not straightforward. It's not like the bubble of playing in the Premier League like football club. So it changed really quickly. But that day itself I resolved because it's one of the best conversations I've had of football, to be honest. Did you then obviously
0: you just mentioned it there, you struggled to to get something else. So you end up going to Blythe Spartans very briefly. And then you had the opportunity to join Glenn yeah. Academy. So how did all that come about? And tell us a little bit about the the Academy, the kind of structure of that
1: newcastle i got a phone call to go to leeds um and they were just winning league one so back in the championship so i went down frame with them played did really well like and it was like right gonna contract and stuff want to get you in um and then like a couple of days went by a couple of weeks went by quiet and then other things that were happening because i'd turned down a few different things because this lead thing was going to be like solid and um Nothing happened, nothing happened. And I had an agent who at the time was in, like, one of those big agencies. That went quiet. Kind of pied us off a bit. So I was kind of, I was lost a bit then. And um, I went to Gator, who at the time were in the National League. And I was like, crap, terrible. Like, didn't get a contract. Like, I was rubbish. I don't think it would have suited me anyway. And I just didn't have anything on. So Blythe ran. I kind of knew a few lads who were there. Like, just come and play. Come and enjoy your football. See what happens. But... They were part-time, and I'd never done that before. Like, the previous season, I was playing, like, international football, and I'd gone into, like, the National League North, which was, like, it's a tough league, um, really competitive league. But um, so I went in there, I had two, like, really experienced centre-backs in there. Um, so I played right back, and I was like, I'm not right back. <laughs> um, and then this opportunity came up for this guy. my dad had seen it, I think he'd seen it somewhere, that the you know just you can kind of apply for it and then it had open trails and whatever so he it was more my dad than me and so we sent it off and stuff got a phone call come down to um Abbey and uh have like a few trial games so I went down there and it was just like lads everywhere i don't know how many people i had down there it was crazy um but i went and did really well so like i was getting the train back up from london i got a phone call saying i wanted to come out to to spain so that's where the academy was in in jerez which is like um just kind of south of seville and i was like it's an old brain listen it like so flew out um and it's this amazing like it's not that i don't I, I don't think it's good anymore but this amazing resort called monte castillo uh we used to have like the volvo masters golf there and it's like attached to like the F- there's, like, a formula one and gp track there like so the f1 dual or testness. So it was like this amazing place we all had like, it was like three, four lads in a villa and it was like swimming pools, like training pitches on site, food and everything. So it was like, it was like going away like on an international camp, but like that was like your full-time gig. It was it was really good. And you played in Segunda B, I think it was, so it was like the third or fourth tier of Spanish football. Yeah, So that itself was amazing because everyone was like, all the Spanish clubs like just hated it. it. was like a load of British lads playing for this team. Glenn Hoddlewatt like just strutting about the place, hated us. So it was like, you know, dark starts a proper dark art to follow, and play lower league Spanish stuff. They're just so clever, like you all that kind of thing. Um, what, was, what was the quality it, like at that level? They were like, they were all like. I mean, I don't know how you compare it, but it's one of those things. Like technically, they're all just brilliant, regardless of the level. There might not be, you know, then passes probably wasn't as great, but like there were some good players because we were playing like against B teams and C teams, like. SVSC and Cordova would be like some big Spanish clubs would play the B team, so you could, you know, they could drop in injured first team players into it and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was it was again like I think I don't know if you really because it, you know as a career like I was to get to play professional football basically in the UK, so you don't you're always looking ahead. So you don't. I don't know if you take time to really process what you, you know, living in the here and now. Um, I probably you probably don't do that for a lot of your career because you're always aspiring to do more, or do better. So you probably don't live in the moment enough as you probably should. Like in hindsight, um, because when you look back, like I said, you know, when you talk through it where we were, who we're playing against, the facilities, all that stuff. It's like it's unreal. Not many people get the opportunity. Um, so yeah, it was really good. Played with some like trying to think here. So like people like. Sam Clucas, I think Clucas just signed for Rotherham, but he went on to play in the Premier League for Hull and for Swansea, John Hugel, he I think he's at Rotherham as well. Now he went to West Ham for like twenty million quid. So there was like some of the lads when it did like really, really well off the back of it, like some real big success stories, but like most things in football, I think those financial issues more on the football club side than the academy side. And we just one day went for like we'll have dinner together in the restaurant bit at the hotel and we're told like pack your to going home tomorrow and we were like, What? Wow. So we all flew back to the UK. Um, so then it was a bit messy from then. So the Spanish club had all the registration, so they had to send like half the lads back to Spain to finish the season. Half of us stayed in the UK and kind of trained in London and played friendly, so it all got a bit messy from then. I think a few lads got a bit kind of put off by it. It was a bit of a mess. Um, and it got to the end of that season. I was like, I'm not like coming back. Like it wasn't really working. Um we're playing all these games and doing well and stuff and then there was rumors that they were like demanding like stupid figures from clubs because I'd sport a few mates in different places and there were key, those clubs who were keen on a couple of lads and they were like, Well, we're not paying like, like forty grand for some, from some academy out like just like mad things. Um I decided I was gonna just, you know, come back to the northeast and reset and which I did. So I ended up coming back and just kind of tell, well, I've got a friend who's quite kind of involved in local football and said, look, if you just put my name around, I'm, I'm not bothered about getting paid or anything. I just want to go and play some football. That's when I'm up at up town. So it, was a bit, so it was a weird couple of years leaving Newcastle kind of in between. Like, I'd been on trials in like, i have been in Greece, um, in Portugal, obviously played in Spain. Like, I'd been halfway around Europe playing all these games, which was like, like again, you look back and you think, wow, like, had some experience mm. in the space of two years. I might not have been like what I want, but I mean, it, you know, it's all like steps on the path. So, and I went them up, and at that point, I decided that was me, I'm gonna get a job. The guy who, who won the club, was really successful in, in oil and gas and renewables. So he'd always said, look, you know, well, there's a career off the pitch here if you want to do it and stuff. So I was like, I don't think I can go through another trial now and get knocked back and go again and go again and go again i've been everywhere you know down the country like around europe so um and that's when the, the guy who owned the club and there was a guy in the club who must have known jim jeffrey said look in the flows of and vermin are quite keen for you to come just for a trial just go up feel if, you know, if it doesn't work then like the, like the guys' businesses aren't going anywhere Mobile Town aren't going anywhere your family aren't going anywhere so you just go and see what it's like so jump on the train well I know trained on the Monday against Livy on the Tuesday and after the game I was in Mojo's Valley, and the jet came off I was like right you come coming to East End and I was like do you mean I'm coming to East End he's like you're going to sign a contract you're not going home no. and I was like as soon as he said those words it was like you know the, the, the fire and rebellion came back straight away and I was like brilliant I'm, you know it's, it's crazy I to switch so quickly. So um I headed down, I think. Scotland were playing Holland in the nineteens or something at East End that night. So um yeah, away I went and stayed up the rest of the week, trained. Okay and I got everything, went home at the weekend. Told them family mates right to me leaving now. They're like, What? I thought you were like staying and get the job. I was like, Nope, not anymore And um came back up the following week and that was that was me back up for the next next two years up in Dublin. Um, yeah, what what was your first impression which was yeah, mad it just happened so quick do you remember, do you remember training Petrivi and um, I was like it's hard isn't it because because I've been round on the all these trials I'd seen like the worst training grounds in the world and I'd seen like top tier stuff so I was like this isn't like this is good like you've got your own place like, you've got your own changing rooms you've got like a Canteen, like you've got a kit man who does literally the food, the washing, the driving, every like you know, all <laughs> yeah. like a kit man does. But, but you're on trade pitches, so the Last safe I was like, and weirdly, well, like a lot of now unknown. Uh, Alex Whittle was in Spain with me for a little bit, so when I got there, I was like, well, Wits was there. Josh, I pre- was previously at Leeds, so as a young lad, me and Josh played against each other all the way through the age groups. So I knew a few people. Um. And there was obviously a lot of experienced heads there, like Andrew like Barra and John Potter and Andy Kirk, all these people. So, like, it was it was easy enough to fit in, and they were desperate for a centre back. So, the manager was like, You're going to play. We don't have anyone else to play. So, yeah. uh, I was going to, me and we were going to play. So, it was like, Well, why not? It was, you know what I mean? So, on a train, it's like an hour and a half, two hours to Newcastle, whatever. At this point, I was. You know, I was kind of immune to the travel, like, so it didn't really bother me. But, um, and it was good. It was like competitive, like a different competitive, because I've not really been on proper men's first team football like that before. Um, and how, had how did McCann you find the standard? Well. It was it was tough at first because it was it, I was kind of it was more, especially coming from Spain, it was more like impactful physical like in Spain they're all like specimens and like they know how to use the body, but this was like forceful. Like and there was there was a massive thing in the, like I remember like the manager and Neilan that really wanted us younger lads to be like on the older lads, like to drive that competition. So it was really competitive but like enjoyably competitive. We used to look like an old the young kind of games and all that kind of stuff. Every Friday old the young and all that kind of stuff it was like brilliant and it was it was just like enthused everyone. Um, so it was tough I always remember like I mean the first game was Montrose I think in the League Cup or something on Wednesday night which was which was a decent enough game but then the Saturday was race at East End and it was like i never played in front of a crowd like that it was like I don't know how many was that 8,000 or something it was, it yeah, was quite yeah. full yeah. and um, yeah I always remember like jumping I was like this is like amazing it won 3-1 Um, I always remember Brian Graham on of a- <laughs> crap like I'll, I'll tell Brian that's so, but uh, <laughs> yeah it was that was it like the bug then it was like this is amazing like and it was that that league that yeah obviously like at the start of the season it was like us and uh, Partick and Morton were like flying at the top and it was like it was class because you were just you were in and about it all the time like every game mattered every point mattered Um yeah. we're playing good football like we'd win the majority of games it was a good balance between like experience and youth and Obviously, the manager was brilliant with with everyone. To be fair, to him. like he was hard on people, and he was like tough and whatever. But he backed all the lads, which was probably credit to him. When you know when things kind of went downhill off the pitch, like you probably mm-hmm. did, there wasn't another manager that you probably wanted on on your side. To be totally honest with you, he'd, he'd seen it all, so um, that was amazing. That, and after a while, it was like I'd, I'd been there forever, sort of thing. Um, Especially being immersed in the city and the town at the time. But um, you know, living living locally and then having, you know, living with Josh and Alex, it's always helpful having people around you all the time. And yeah, it was amazing. It was it was like exactly what I needed at that point.
0: Yeah, everything was kind of flying that season and then obviously the financial situation kinda of happened. What what was your memories where when all that kind of surfaced and you guys were asked to take pay cuts and that's kind of when the, the form started to to really slump after that, didn't it?
1: yeah i mean it's the same thing like when you look back at it i mean thank god it didn't happen when you're older like you look at some uh, now i'm a bit older and i've got like a, a young family and you know mortgages and whatever else i couldn't think of how how tough that was for the old like big responsibilities and that's probably when not saying you know blame on the other lads whatever but you can kind of for us we kind of cruise by like we had enough to get by but some of them like couldn't afford to get train and stuff like that was like like it was crazy um but it's the lies isn't it like it's you know if someone's honest with you you're not going to get this you're not going to get that but it was the constant lies and then obviously you had the manager in the middle of it you had the senior players in the middle of it um everyone like you said you don't want don't want it to stop because we we're doing so well and we're literally were challenging to win the league in a really, really hot league like competitive league. Um but yeah it just went it just kinda got a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse and then I remember we played I think it was part of this at home I think we ended up getting we get, we got battered in the end but I think we got like 10% of our wages and the lads were like we're not getting on that pitch tomorrow because it was a Friday before the end and no chance. Ten percent wages. Um but I always remember Jim Jeffrey saying, like, I'll back you all the way, but just play, just keep playing. Like, don't not play. Um, and it was kind of like, we didn't really have much of a sales young lad. It was the older ones who were really kind of dictating. But then I remember that evening, money dropped in everyone's bank. And I was like, that's even worse. Mm-hmm. So you didn't pay it, now you suddenly can't pay it. And- but, like, I've never played in a game when you've been beaten convincingly and you got, like, a stand ovation. Like, that was just, like, that sums up Dunfermline as a club and as a town and, and, and the people and the community. It was, like, they carried the team the the redundancies and it was, like, 20, whatever it was, 23 of them. It was, like, then Craig Dogwood stayed, but dogs was, like, a player manager, a player coach for the youth team. So. But after that, like, it was, like, the support was, like, outrageous. Like, you felt like it was the 12th man every game. And some of the young lads like this is the this thing with football. Some of those young lads might not have had football careers it wasn't for that because they went and played every week in that in that league yeah. against good teams and good players which they might not yeah. have ever done. So it's really weird how these things come, come together but I still think we should have stayed up that season as well. That was just a nightmare that last game yeah. of the season Adrian and all that kind of stuff and the playoff. Yeah. And, but um, it was really uplifting like, like you and know all of some of the people still involved in the club and some, especially for us younger ones and um, fundraising and all that kind of stuff. It was like, yeah, it, it, sometimes, you, you know, through the adversity comes comes all this kind of positive stuff. So um, it was a really, really crazy time, but it was an amazing time in terms of the community coming together to, to yeah. help each other. It was uh, special.
0: Oh, And it was a good season for you. You got the... Player of the year at the club, and you're also in the PFA team of the season, so it was a, a, a good one for, for yourself. A full season of first team football,
1: yeah. No, I loved it, I loved every bit of it. Um, it's but it's like the same thing you, you just keep you on only keep a bit of a roll on, you're not even thinking, but just enjoying playing every week. Um, with good players and a good manager, and like the fans behind you, which made a big thing, we always took a big following home and away. Um I think I just settled in. It was like I say, it was probably one of those kind of things that just kind of clicked. It was all probably meant to be that I was there at the club at that point And um, I hadn't signed anyone to that full window when the opportunity came up. So, yeah, it was a really, really enjoyable season for me, apart from what happened at the end of it. But it's probably the same for a lot of the younger ones. Just playing every week, like on a selfish note, was just it was was amazing. Like I said, the opportunities probably wouldn't have been. Um, but it was nice like at the end of the season. So like, you don't you don't think about these things. I probably didn't even know they existed, to be totally honest. they had these kind of awards and stuff. So um yeah, it's really nice to you know to get the recognition speciamans voted for by um your peers as well. It was um yeah, that was amazing.
0: We are Flo Digital Pharmacy and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Hallbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at We Are Flow spelled P H L O. That's weareflow.com. Brilliant, mate. And then the following season, I remember uh, that kind of pre-season there was rumours you were going to leave. There was a few clubs interested. Uh, so the following season, there was rumours in the in the summer that you were looking or not looking to leave, but there was clubs interested and, and you might leave. So what was your kind of memories of that?
1: I remember well, the Airdrie game, last game of the season, I ruptured my hamstring quite badly. And then I just I played on it. I'm trying to be a hero. Um, the one we got beat 1-0. And uh, so I missed, obviously I missed the playoffs. And then the following season, I was probably just rehabbing through preseason. Like, but were, the I, it's the same thing. I didn't really hear. Like, I know there was a couple of people that inquired and stuff, but like, I didn't want to leave. I mean, it's different. You know, some big, massive, club came in but i don't I, I don't remember anyone being like big big clubs or anything come in and it's like well why would you leave this like as as much as like off the field there's so much adversity it's on like a massive positive trend and we've just been through so much together so i just want to get back playing um and especially like everyone was like well we can go and win the league and it was different with Rangers in the league at the time but like we had a real chance again um so I don't think that really crossed my mind I think the only time it probably would have come to anything is if there was a substantial bid and the club could have you know for the club the position they were in it was probably like well we need the money but I don't think any of the bids were like enough for the club to go well that's going to help massively um, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of kind of swaps stuff and, um, so yeah I don't think you'd ever you know, anything any traction to be honest I think it was just get back fit and get playing yeah.
0: And you mentioned it earlier, like a lot of the guys used were really close. It was a good dressing room around about that time, even though we're in League One and the financial issues, but there was a real feel good starting to happen again, eh? With the good players at the club and obviously the, the fundraising going on.
1: I think it was even more competitive in training then because you had like these really young players had like like um like think Ray. Some people were, like they would never be and they were coming in and they were competing they were like for at the time being an older one even though i wasn't an older one like it was like every day was enjoyable because it was almost like going back youth team days because it was I was so young and like that kind of infectious naivety of just going in and working as hard as you can and and listening to everything that the, the coaching staff are, are listening to and there was always that kind of on your back, like because we were one of the only full time teams in the league. But like, luckily, we were in the second scalp, so to speak. Um But it was like you didn't, and with at that point, the franchise had to a point been sorted. So like, you know, you were getting paid, all kind of stuff. I know there was a lot going on with the administration, and you know, to be fair, with the administration you're, you're lucky in football that like, the football debts. Protected, so you're going to get your money. So we were lucky that the money we didn't get, we we were going to get it. Just the way it chose. I don't know how fair that is. And there was other people who were getting. I don't know. I don't know if it was one pence in the pound, or they actually settled on no pence in the pound in the end. So a lot of people lost money, but then a lot of these people didn't in the back on the club at the same time. So we probably owed a lot to the community and to the people who had helped us, um, which then gives you the impetus to go and go and do your stuff on the pitch and do the best you can, because we were kind of showcasing the town at the time mm-hmm. going through it all. We were the, we were kind of the face of it being on the pitch. Um, and then I think a lot of the community projects the grew, which was amazing, like the centenary club, things like that all kind of grew and grew and grew. And, grew. and it was probably nice. There was more of a connection between the fans and the club because they, they had had a tangible effect on, on kind of dragging the club up. Um, and you knew people, personally to speak to by name which you probably wouldn't you, you know that there probably is a bit of a divide there and a bit of a, a curtain between at that point there wasn't like you know, they'd they'd probably gone and given, you know like they might have had a tenner in the pocket and they've gone and chucked it in the book for you to pay all wages or whatever and who knows what their financial position was so it was all this stuff of people being so selfless as well to help help the club um so was it? Yeah, it was a it was a positive campaign apart from again at the end, but um, it was all kind of building, built back to where it is now in a much stronger
0: position. Yeah, definitely. The end of that season, you kind of mentioned it there. We lost in the playoff uh, final to Coud Beath. What was your memories? of that kind of time a real a proper disappointment, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I remember we played Stranraer in the semi final, I was terrible like I remember going down a strong run I was awful and the manager went mental and there was all this stuff about like because I wasn't seen in the contact whatever. And I don't in my head it wasn't but subconsciously it wasn't you're only young but um and I didn't play the rest of the of the, the playoffs in I like it I came on up front at Cowan beef, which was like money <laughs> but um that team like you look at it and you think should have, there's no way we shouldn't have won that playoff, but then it was probably the manner of it, wasn't it, especially at home when there was so many people and I, I, people would have thought it was a guaranteed and there was all stuff planned for after the game and then they scored. But you look at it now, and can see it dead early and then we weren't really in the game. It was just really flat. And I think for a lot, a lot of the lads, they knew that that would be them leaving the There was another transition that season, next season. Um so it was a tough one to take because I probably knew I wouldn't be there the following season and you want to go out on a high, you want to go and achieve something like I say, a lot of it was just to give back to the people who would help us along the way. You wanted to you want to be in a position to to say thank you and give them some back. So it was it was yeah, it was it was very, very flat.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned it there. You you leave that that fallen that that summer and you join Jackie McNamara at Dundee United. So what was your time up at Tanadice like?
1: Yeah, it's the same my career's eventful, no matter where I go. So uh it was amazing, like it's the same thing. I like, you walk through the door and there's all these players you'd seen on sports scene who've been playing like, you know, the top players, and then you've got all like the young team who have like you've just read about them in the papers the whole season before, the Andy Robertsons and Ryan Gold. I think I remember it was a it was the first day of pre-season. And I remember walk just walking out with training and, and and Goldie was walking out and then he got a call back. He, like you literally step foot on the train and pitch like, No, 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 you've got to go off the site for sport in Lisbon. I was like, Where have I signed you? It's a lad saying <laughs> sport in Lisbon. There's like one well, and then, you know, do the full pre season and, and Andy Robertson's playing left back on left side centre back. And comes in the preseason, he's off the whole for millions. And like, this is like what place this is. And you had Gary McKay Stevens, to Armstrong and had some good good players. Um and it was like it's the same thing. Like it was quite a it was quite a relaxed environment. Um there was obviously that you had you know you had to performance stuff but the way the manager had had it built there was it wasn't like it was like pressure all the time. You just went and enjoyed training. You had a good time you, you worked on stuff but um it was more about just enjoying it and expressing yourself. And that's obviously why all these those lads have gone on to, you know like, Robbo's won everything there is to win. Um, mm. And a really good culture. And again, it was a young team. We had a couple of older heads, the John Rankins and stuff, who kind of, you know, they could police people getting a bit out of there, above their station or whatever. But the same thing was, the preseason was amazing. We had a really good pre-season. Then the start of the season went up to, um, the Todrian won 3-0 first game of the season. I was like, we're onto something here. Then beat Motherwell. Because I think we played the top, the previous seasons, top three, we were, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, first three games. Then we beat Motherwell at home. And we we're like, we're flying here then. Went there Celtic like Park and got beat 5-1, I think it was. I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, bad <laughs> to the <be laughs> With a, a bang. <laughs> so that was a, I think it was the first time I played Celtic. So remember coming off the pitch thinking, I've actually played all right there. But well, they've just mm-hmm. scored like, every time we went, had a chance to score, I was like, this is like, that's the level there. They were like, how dynamic they were and how strong they were and tactically astute they were. And, like, we weren't a bad team. Like, on the ball, we were good. Like, teams didn't want to let us have the ball because we had good, good footballers. Um, But, yeah, no, it was a good season. That season got the, the cup final, scored in the, the derby, which was amazing. Um, Scored at Hamden in the semi-final against Aberdeen, all that kind of stuff. So, like, that season was amazing. we on a really good trajectory. And then, obviously, all the stuff, with, like, signing all the players and taking all, like, the creativity of the team and... Um, the tail end of the season wasn't great. Um, we should have finished in the, the top half and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Off the back of it, we didn't really improve the following season and Jackie was out and then Pat Lining came in again who was a great to be fair. Enjoyed my time with him. Um, but then they signed some like weird Florence and Pongol and Iji Kawashima, like the Japanese keep having all these kind of demel like big, big names like know what you need in a relegation battle but um so like there was so many highs and then it just kind of at the end we just kind of pitted out and yeah. um again it was probably one of those things where you just at the club but you know if you'd been at the club this if i'd been there a year earlier you would have had that amazing season where they got the scottish cup final and then you had another season we got another final but then the season after that it was like a big transition of so many people all the heads all leaving all the younger all the younger any value in the team was sold yeah um and they needed to rebuild as well so it was like a crazy another crazy two years like uh, scottish football (laughs) but i wouldn't like a guy i wouldn't change it these experiences like when you look back at them they're priceless because some people just cruise through their career and it's like you know either like mediocrity and just kind of stay in the middle of the road or yeah, everything's positive but I've seen like the high you know playing National Stadium being relegated twice whatever it is so it's like yeah it's, it, you, you do see it all but it was it was a great place to play football like I, another big club with you know big fan base and full houses all the time and great facilities and some great people at the club some of them are still there now um, so it was it was a crazy two years but um, again I wouldn't I wouldn't change it
0: yeah what was Jackie McNamara like as a manager
1: I really like Jackie to be fair. He had like, he was quite astute with, he wasn't like a screamer and shouter and, you know, going to come in and like rip wallpaper off the walls and stuff. He was just quite um, quiet, but he would go and, I remember before every game, he would go and take people in like that, the positions, So like mainly the centre back, he would just come on the train, he would be like, bring you over, I go to the flipboard and, give you the information on the players you're playing blah, 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 and it'd be like right back, right wing and whatever And so he got all the information but it was a nice way to deliver it and I think that's probably why he cultivated such a good young team when he was there because he, he gave him enough information but he didn't shackle them enough he, they let them express themselves and that's probably why them flourished and he wasn't scared to chuck players in because even when I signed like him it's that's a gamble take a lot from League 1 in the SPL and then he, he signed like Blair Spittle from Queen's Park out of nowhere and a couple of other ones so I know his, his mandate was to bring these players through but I think he did it really well and uh, you know it was never that it's sustainable that level of success is it? you know I mean you can't constantly have players move into the Premier League and move into like Portugal yeah. and move away that, that, that's not going to happen so um, and then you know football's cutthroat you demand success so if you're struggling people are going to get rid of you so um, yeah. but I really really enjoy it. like still still speaking now Um so he, he he was great to be fair. I mean, probably again, probably what I needed that little kind of go and just do what you want to do. Kind of go and express yourself, go and play. Just and it was another step to develop. Probably developed on the ball more than off the ball, which was which was probably what I needed that time as well. And um, so yeah, it was great. It was good just to go and again with someone who had total confidence in you. Who was just going to support you regardless of. You know, if you had a bad game, you had a bad game, just go and learn from it. you are not learn from it, obviously it's an issue, but if you just go and learn for it and keep playing development and uh, happy days. So uh, you had a really good time with them. Brilliant,
0: mate. So you made forty five appearances for Dundee United, and then you get the chance to go to Aberdeen. So how did all that come about? And Derek McInnes as well was the man who signed you. Yeah. So was he like?
1: Well, when I left Dumfirm, though that was the two clubs who are who I like you know, kind of really came with Aberdeen and, and Dundee United and then, you know, as a, as a transfer when United um, and then I think Dell had been keen. I always had a bit of an eye since then and I think quite a lot of the times I played against Aberdeen I'd done quite well when I was at United. Um, so, I was, that, we are all leaving I think a lot to kind of just go to the squad at United. Uh, a lot of lads would be like, well, I wasn't going to stay anyway but it's one of those that, like, you know, if you get released, you get released. just all you know what I mean um, so the title, I had a type who I was speaking to a couple of clubs and then Dell had got in touch and was like we want to bring you up and I was like well that's an absolute no brain really. in the you know in Europe qualifiers and all that so um, it, yeah it was kind of not, not out of the blue but a, a bit like really like because that, that previous season again I'd had some bad injuries i missed a lot of football done my knee done different things I was like that's a bit of a you know, fair play to home for, like, backing us to go up there and do well, so hope I went. But then, to be fair, I did my Achilles in pre-season, so I missed the whole pre-season, missed the whole European campaign. And from then on, I just didn't really get a chance. Um, Obviously, didn't make a single appearance. I think I only made the bench away from home. I think uh, I was in the stand every game at Pertaudry when I was there. But it's weird, though, because I loved it. It wasn't frustrating for you? It was frustrating, but I I kind of, once you get, I think once, I mean, everyone's different, but once I got a train, I just parked that and just enjoyed training and you're playing with like, it was a different type of squad there because it was all these like big characters, like the Shinneys and Kenny McLeans and Ryan Jackson. I don't really like, all these players have, again, have gone on to do like all sorts in their careers and they kind of policed it and it was, you know, everyone there was like an unwritten kind of thing of, the, the standards that everyone trained at like it wasn't like you had to drive standards it was just there like you had if you weren't at it then well you you're not meant to be there so I, I loved all that I loved training uh, the manager himself like I haven't got a bad way to say about him like you know, some people be like oh, I did not he's this that and the other but like you know on reflection you look back and think at the time they were doing really well the centre backs were playing quite well like I had missed the whole of pre season probably it was Probably like the right place, wrong time sort of thing as well. Off the back of like getting relegated missing and loads of football. I'll probably you know, if I'd gone somewhere else and played even for six months a year, and then gone up there, I think I would have had a right go to. It. It wasn't I? Probably wasn't. It wasn't the like I said, right place, wrong time sort of thing. But they did come a point where was that I need to go and play. Like I can't just sit here for a full season. Like oh, it's, it's brilliant. Look, yeah, you know everything's at Aberdeen. They get well looked after. You know, nutrition, buses, travel, hotels, you know, the, the training ground wasn't built then, but they were building the training ground up for full houses, everything. But like, that all means nothing if you're not playing. So you mm-hmm. could I could have sat there and just like, sucked it up for a year or two and then, but I couldn't, yeah go and play. Like it does get to a point where like, I kind of keep doing this. Like as much as I'm desperate just to get an opportunity and take it, I just couldn't say come in. And then, so again, it was, um, I told him a few people and then um potty rang us he was like you coming mm. back and i was like as soon as it, it was weird as soon as it was like done for i was like yeah let's get it done this would be you know i didn't i don't think he even spoke to the manager did fine so i was already like yeah we'll go um go back somewhere i know well like got a good rapport with like not just people at the club the fans the community everything and go back and just enjoy it because it's like you know bunny like I say, you step away, it would be in quite a like a turbulent year or so with different injuries and then going to Aberdeen and not really panning out, moving again and travelling up from Dundee to Aberdeen and this and that and everything. And so um it seemed like out of all the other options it was like the kind of the perfect the perfect one for me. So um must have been in the January we got it all sorted and I think it was December uh,
0: two thousand sixteen, mate. Yeah. Well, uh, it was just before Christmas.
1: Yeah, because I went, yeah, because I think we agreed it. Uh, but I had, and that's stupid, but I had, so basically I was be- going to be best man on mate's wedding. Mm-hmm. But when I signed for Aberdeen because of Europe, I missed his wedding. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll never miss anything again for football because obviously what transpires, I didn't play anyway whatever. So in the international break, I booked because he lives in New York, I booked to go and see him. And so then the manager was like, Well, you obviously got to cancel that. And I was like, No, nah, I've, I've given him a word now. I kind of cancel on his wedding and cancel again for this. So I'm not going to have to go. And Potty was like, Nah, like, you know, you know what the decision is to be made here. And I was like, I can't. Like, I've given him a word. So I remember I went off to New York for six days. And I can't remember who they played. They'd won. I think the thing was race or something, maybe. yeah. I think it was race Rovers. It was, yeah. Yeah. So I think we played well in the game. And then I came back. And I was on the bench against. I can't remember who that was. On the bench against, I someone. Was it Lovingston? yeah, it might have been. And then I remember playing played against Alawa away. That was the first game, and just getting the boots on and going and playing, I was like, yeah, like there was this big like release, like all this weight off my shoulders, like back playing, and um, it was like I hadn't been away, sort of thing, it was brilliant.
0: See, see, by that time as well, the club obviously had been taken over and everything was kind of on the up eh? it was like a real feel good around the place
1: again yeah it was yeah but it's like it's weird as I say it's like you've never been away because I'd I'd probably missed that season of like I think the previous it'd be like when I'd left that next season wasn't great either was it? I think struggled struggled a bit in the corner and stuff so I'd yeah. missed the kind of this the second little dip before the rise again so then I'd you know what I mean so I'd only really seen like this quite positive bit and then I went back and it was positive again, so to speak. So I'd missed a bit of a dip, although I'd seen it from a distance. Um, So yeah, it was good to come in and like there was, you know, there's still some familiar faces there. Like there's always the consistent ones, but then there were some new ones. So there was, there was like the Megans are quite a decent team. Um, So I don't know how many games I played that season like at the end. um, And we'd done well, like on Easter Road and played well and stuff like that. And then it came to the summer and I had another decision to make. And I remember uh, uh, the manager and, and Ross ring and saying that we want to make your club captain. As soon as I said that, I wasn't bothered about the rest of the conversation. I was like, "Yep, yeah. I'm in." Um, like, you know, how it comes full circle? Like going in there is like, you know, off the back of nothing, and kind of building petitions on film then coming back so many years later and being restored as captain was like, that's yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of stuff I, I like the lot. I was like, yeah sign me up." Um, and and you could see like. But there was enough in the squad, and then we had some good signings. Um, it's like a George, squad come back there. Up, he was a, yeah, and he was flying that season. Higgy he was flying, Nicky Clark was scoring loads of goals. Deb McManus was flying. Big like, Nat Weatherburn was just like throwing people all over the place. Like, <laughs> we had a, like a good team, like Big Ashy, like, look, like, yeah, Murdo and goal. Like, we had a really good team, um, and that season, like. You know, we started off on fire and had a dip and then we played Inverness at, at East End I remember before, we did that little huddle thing before the game and it was like like we can only change this like no one else can and we're on that mad run and got the playoffs and probably should have done a bit better in the playoffs you know we missed a couple of chances against United and stuff and um, so that was a really enjoyable season that one because it was like again the club was was moving in the right direction
0: yeah do you remember as well that was the lap of honour season yeah, remember the guys from the '68 Scottish Cup winning team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember uh, we done the PR launching the club beer. Do you remember that
1: one? I, I get sent that photo of me with a pint and like <laughs> and and all this, all the time, yeah, like yeah. my big hair blowing off in the in the uh, <laughs> somewhere into the into the stand. Yeah, like all that kind of stuff was amazing. That's what I mean. Like there was the connection between everyone. Like like previous players being like Roy Barry and I've been around all the time and all that kind of stuff. Like it was, um, you, you know, you could walk through all the lounges and all that and speak to so many people and everyone was so accessible because you were like, why wouldn't you be? What's it to be scared of? Like everyone's in it for the same reason. So um, yeah, it was, it was good. And then there was even stuff off the pitch. Remember we did the um, it was like healthy eating thing in all the schools.
0: Yeah, like yeah. People we went
1: to the schools and all that stuff, and I think they won like national recognition for that. And all that. that stuff meant a lot to the squad as well, because it was, like I say, it's given back. And I think some of the younger players might have on loan probably weren't used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it'd be, become a more well rounded person, not just a player, by doing all that stuff in the community. Um, And you, you see what it means to other people when you go and do it. So, like, that kind of stuff was, we did so much stuff that season, you know, it was brilliant. Do
0: you remember the trip we had to McDonald's as well? Done a wee bit of PR with you know, oh,
1: McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Shouldn't have been in McDonald's, but yeah, I do yeah. remember. The open, um the retail part one. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, though, no, because everything was on the up, like McDonald's and Volkswagen, specialised cars, all these big brands yeah, want to get
1: involved with the club again. It was yeah, great. it just shows you, doesn't it? Everyone wants to jump on positivity, and, and rightly so. Um, I do remember that cause they were doing the man the match. I've always remember Joe like looking at me, oh, okay, could get a free car. <laughs> this. <laughs> gonna... <laughs> uh, it is the hobby of, of, of the, you know, of the, the city now. So like, why not? Why wouldn't you want to be involved in it? Um, Absolutely. so yeah, it was like, it was, it was good. Like, cause we're doing stuff all the time. Like pretty much after training every other day, we're out doing something, meeting someone. And, um, so yeah, it was it was really good. Yeah,
0: made just work for your money that season.
1: Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, it, wasn't, <laughs> it was like a yeah, no days off. When people say no days off, that's what it means,
0: <laughs> bro. And you mentioned on Alan Alan Johnson was the the manager that season. How did you get on with
1: Alan? What what was he like as a manager? Yeah, he was different again. Like, I got on him fine. Like he um he was like really like focused on like he was so good with computers and stuff and like every friday you'd get like a, a drop boxing or whatever with like clips of, of the other team all the players that you'll be playing against previous games like it was like it was amazing really for the level of that it was like that's like some that's real stuff that, that's what like big clubs do um and he was you know he'd seen it he, he'd been a top player i mean he's played top top level in France and everything so um yeah, he was good. He was he was good. It um, probably it was probably a tough the season after was probably tough for him as well. But I think at, at the time we had such a good group that, a bit like at Aberdeen, it was kind of you get to a point where the players can police what's going on. You don't have to have a manager like screaming down your neck all the time because we knew to achieve what we wanted to achieve, you had to have a certain certain standard. And he had good people around him with Pottsy and, and Sandy Clark and others. Um, so there was a good balance there as well. So yeah, he did he did well, and he you know he structured the team well considering the players he had to get them them most out with them. Because um, some of them, you know, like you know, some people are hot like a Higgy or whatever. You know, and if Higgy's not playing, Higgy's not happy. So, he was yeah. keeping it like you know keeping him um, in a positive space because he was you know, arguably probably the best player that season. To be fair, like, when he was yeah, probably, when he was on it, like he was unplayable, like. Taking goal kicks and kicking on him, he's like not not tall in the size. He beat anyone in the air and all. He was we well, had a bit between his teeth, so that kind of stuff's tough for a manager. So I think he handled that quite well, and obviously came so close to achieving what the goal was at the start of the season.
0: Yeah, that that was the problem though. After that, the expectations were so high because we got to the playoffs and it was a really good season.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I think people kind of I kind of saw it a little bit. I think I knew. Other people weren't going to be staying, and you you know you, you don't want to walk away from the club, but you think I don't want to be there again where it it, it drops off again, and you've got to try and go like. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's not like you're going to go and contracts aren't there for two three years, and you can be on the journey and, and try and build it. It would be like you might go and might have a tough season, and where personally, where do you stand, it's a hard one. And at the time, I was desperate to get back home. Um, and try well and all that stuff after the game and saying there's, you know, I had my map upside down and all that stuff, but the Ross County and stuff that's just, <laughs> yeah. that, that's just how put that's how football pans out. Um yeah, it was it there was a it was a tough decision, but I think it been made probably be you know, a few weeks before um I think the playoffs was probably a, probably put everyone on hold because everyone knew well wow, we're really close yeah. So we're only a few games away from actually getting promoted and that would be like crazy. Um, and I think everyone did focus and went about their work properly because I don't think we we didn't deserve not you know, the NCAA we didn't deserve to lose I didn't think. I think at East End especially we, we should have won the game there and you know if we a chance 10 tand actually go through Livingston. Weirdly, Livingston that season I think we were the only team that didn't lose to them or something. Yeah, I think you're right, they, yeah. They, speaking to some of the lads after that, they didn't want to play us. They were desperate to play United because we'd beaten them home and away, I think. They didn't certainly, you know, it just shows you, that, like, if we'd won that game, then where'd you go? You know, yeah. on a right Because we'd beat Livy, you go play a, a thistle team that I had no confidence And It's like, but, I mean, that's all. You know, that, that never happened. But it was, yeah, it was a good season. It was it was a tough end of the season and it was just those you know, decisions to be made then.
0: yeah. So going back, like your first spell, you made 55 appearances and then that spell you made 43. So how, how do you reflect back on your, your two spells at Dunferman?
1: I think it's all, to be fair, it's all positive. Um, like I say, it was turbulent and the roller coaster and all those, you know, all those different, different words. But, um, you know, it was more about when you look back, like I say, it's about the people. You meet along the way, and the the friends you make, and the relationship you're building. I couldn't have asked for any but I mean, the 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 way I, you know, like speaking with family is how I know how good the club was. My mum and dad hold that club in such high esteem, and they always say, "Oh, we loved them for it." Like that. That was like you know they loved growing up, and they would they'd meet all these people, the same faces. Archie when he was out, he could like that. He would you know, and and. uh, that means a lot because it was like it wasn't just me that was there. My whole family were treated the same as well. And everything they love it to this day. They love it like you know if they were up this way, they'd go to a game just to just to go back and see it. So, um, and especially when you go through all that kind of stuff, you, you you build a real bond with with everyone involved. So that'll never you know that that'll last years and years and years and years and years. Like when I went back the other week, you see all these the same faces and you see the same fans outside and you. You know, you, you know what the kids called and whatever and this kind of stuff, like you wouldn't get that anywhere else after, you know. So Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, it's an amazing place, like. Perfect, mate. Uh,
0: what I was gonna ask you is who's the the best player you think you played with at the fair one
1: <laughs> Wow. Um there's a few different ones. I'm trying to think who the best one would be. I mean there's obvious ones like when Joe was on it, Jojo was brilliant, Piggy. Um Dean Shields to be fair wasn't there long but what a full puller he is. To do that yeah, with eye as well is like I can't get my head around now. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was incredible. Um I don't know he was the best. Yeah. Tell you one of the ones it was unbelievable for me to play with was Gal. Gallica, oh, yeah, yeah. Like for a young centre back who hadn't really played to have Gal playing behind you, it's like easy. Like he was so he was brilliant for me. Was he constantly um, talking to you and like telling you like do this? Yeah, do that"? He, yeah, he was. He was like that. To be fair, so was Dowser and he Dowie. He was great to play with, but Gal just had a real way about him and thing is with Gal you knew like you know when you get all this keepers coming they might come and punch you might do whatever Gal told you what he was doing before the game like he's like I'm not going to come for stuff for I'll come and, do you. and you knew so when the situation arose you knew it was happening so you just dealt with it whereas other keepers would be like coming and coming flying out not coming and shouting and going back the line and all but Gal was just brilliant calm head like so reliable great guy great you know to pick his brain so yeah, I'd probably say it Gal, gals up there actually.
0: Brilliant mate. Superb. Any funny dressing room stories that you can tell? Anything that springs to mind?
1: I mean, I don't know but people probably know that when we played Saint Mirren on the telly on the Friday night, my second time. And uh it was the I think it was it must have been Joe actually. But I know told, it's what you're uh, gonna say here. Yeah, I, I, we was getting I got the blame for
0: this yeah. and it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Oh, the whole
1: week had him going. that They wanted yeah, to yeah. do the punditry, and then to be fair, BT Sport they got him on and he, he did all right. He did, yeah, but that yeah. was that was uh that was hilarious because just just purely because it went on for a week and he came in his best clobber and Muro's clobber is shocking, and he came in his best. Yeah, expecting to be on the telly, and they didn't have the BT Sport didn't have a clue what was yeah. going on. But to be fair. Yeah. That that was a good one. That was um So, so basically, one of the for, ones.
0: for the fans who don't know what happened here, Joe was texting Sean, wasn't he, pretending to be a producer from BT Sport all week.
1: Yeah, yeah, all week. Yeah. Um and t- I think actually Joe might have spoken to someone at BT just to let them know like what was going on, just in case like you know it went a bit like. Made really happy, or oh, he, he just strolled on to set and they were like, what's going on here? Because he had that enemy him, he would just walk on. Um, so went on and on all week and like, couldn't hold it in, like the la- everyone knew apart from him because he was injured at the time. He was going, he had quite a bad injury, I think. And um, he got the fight and I played St. Mirren and he, he turned up and uh, the lads kind of told him and I've never seen someone's face drop. <laughs> like it was so funny. To be fair, I mean he was like heartbroken because he be worked himself up the whole week. go have going to tell you, probably been rehearsing in front of the mirror. and everything. and uh, like I say, to be fair, to BT Sport that got him on for like five minutes, and like yeah. I think they told everyone to tell you, didn't they? They it did, like, yeah. We've yeah. We done a bit, but we'll, we'll get him on and whatever. So that was uh That was one. That was a funny one because there's so much, so much went into it. Like it was hilarious. Gosh.
0: Yeah, that was class. I was going to ask you about any Lorenzo stories, but I think we'll leave that one for another podcast.
1: <laughs> and how long you got? <laughs> right,
0: we'll yeah, move that, on that to that Ross would, County. A, yeah, exactly. Brilliant. So yeah, you, leave the, you leave the club in May 2018 and you go up, up to Ross County. You have a really successful time there, don't you? You, have, you win a championship in the Challenge Cup in
1: your first season. Yeah, no. It was a strange one. It was um, I was literally about to sign for a club Oh, well, it's in. You know, it's kind of agreed. But back, back home, and um, Roy McGregor rang, and he's like, "Look, come up." And the manager. So I was on holiday, and they were ringing and ringing and ringing. And um I was like, "I'll go up." And so I, I drove all the way up the A9 up Camel Track and up and Met the manager, met the chairman, and everything. All the managers. There was two of them at the time. And mm. um had a really good feeling. I don't think I. I think I'd been up there once with United, but like. I don't know people who haven't been up like facilities wise. County facilities are unbelievable um, for where they are and what they've got. And it's one of them was a bit like Dunfermline when when you walked in, you just got a good feeling. And I think I go off that a lot, like that kind of intuitive stuff. Like I had a good feeling about the club and what was going to happen, so ended up signing. And they signed um, obviously Deck had signed as well actually previous to me going up. And then they signed another a few other lads from from down the road at the same time. It was a bit of a rebuild job going on there off there. Relegation and they had a lot of all the big hitters. And they'd all been shipped out, so a lot of new lads came in. But it was a brilliant change room. Some brilliant, brilliant lads. A few of us had played before, with, like Billy McKay had played with before, and people like that. Um, but it's just a nice place. To, it's it's a nice place to be and play football. Like I you know it's you know it's a bit of a track, but. In vanessa itself, you know, it's a beautiful place. You focus on your football, it's great for families, the environment, the club, everyone's so friendly. Like there's a lot of similarities between Dunfermline and, and, and Ross County actually in that regard. Um but yeah, like we hit the ground hit the ground running. Did well in the in the challenge club. I think we won won the group like that pre-season. I don't still don't understand why they do that. But the preseason kind of League Cup did well and then we did really well in the in the league. So we're, we're flying fine along. Um and then uh, ruptured. Well, I, yeah, ruptured one of the tendons in my hamstring, and that was me like done for the rest of the season. So it was a great start to the campaign. It was brilliant to win the league, but it was a bit of a weird one because although I'd played, I don't know how many games it was, I was playing pretty much every week at the start of it. At the end, when you actually picked the trophy up and stuff, I wasn't really involved as much. It was a bit of a weird, a weird one for me. But it was, a, yeah, it was a great season, and obviously winning the cup as well, and back into the SPL and. Um, and then back up, which was was great to bring the club up, and it was a you know the second season was a tough one, and obviously COVID hit, so it was like there was just so much going on when we were up there. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really good time, and it's a really good friends up there with that. I suppose it's from them. It's the longest spell I've had at a football club as well, so that says a lot to what I thought of the place. And um, yeah, what what was it like playing football during that COVID time? That was. Weird. It was surreal. Yeah, that's probably one thing. I, um, I probably should have. When I moved back to England after back of county, I should have probably stayed in Scotland and played full time. I think and played another season when there was fans in. Because I, when I finished, there was that season. There was no fans still in that last season I played in Scotland, and it was weird. Like most of the big grounds, like when it beat Celtic at Celtic Park in the Scottish Cup, and it was like. Not not a pin drop. Like it was weird. Like what and it was a, like amazing achievement for for the club of our size and all that kind of stuff. And, but there was no one there. And we we turned up in like a convoy of like fifteen minibuses because you couldn't all set the coach and um all the masks and you know you couldn't actually walk into the stadium. That's how the heat gun and your temperature was a certain temperature and you had all like the, the COVID forms and every day for training there was um they were doing all the swabs before you allowed on the ground. So like they had like you know, like a drive, we had like a drive through like um, testing station before you're allowed it. It was like, it was weird, but we we're also very lucky because a lot of other people at the time couldn't work, we couldn't leave the house and we were like granted permission to go in and train and, you know, stuff that people couldn't do, like socialise, like, you know, it wasn't really social because you weren't actually, like, you had to go back in the car and go home, but on the training pitch and stuff, there was a bit of normality and it's stuff that other people Struggling so much with at the time was they didn't have that normally. So we were so lucky, even to travel out. I think we had, we were the only people that could leave the Highlands at one point. us in mm. to get down. i actually did the championship. Don't even know championship started. I can't remember. But we we no one else was allowed out. Like you had to stay close to home. We were like going down into Glasgow and all these places. And so yeah, it was really really weird. But like I say, we we're really lucky. I think because a lot of people. <laughs> had it a lot a lot harder than we did um yeah so football kind of helped a lot of lads actually especially the ones that were living alone and didn't have their families and stuff like it was good that they you know they had that ability to go and train with other people and actually speak to people rather than being stuck in their flat or their house on their own which is which would have been tough again yeah it was weird but then again the highlands is some place to be when like we were lucky. Like, everyone else in lockdown, in the first lockdown, we didn't have a lockdown in the Highlands. So we were off. We could go, like, for a coffee or for a meal or whatever as long as it was social distance and everyone else was stuck in the house. So we were really lucky. Yeah. Really, really lucky. I
0: don't, I don't know if it was round about this time, but you, you leave Ross County in May 2021 and uh, yeah. Greg Shields recently, I was speaking to Greg and he said him and Stevie Crawford were keen to take you back to Dunfermline again. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I'd sport them all, yeah.
1: Sport yeah, yeah, yeah. Them and everything. How close was that to to happening again? Really close. Really, well, that in hindsight, that's what I mean. But that's what I should have done is gone back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the opportunity I had down the road was brilliant. Like, it was a bit of a transitional role, and I would be playing and working and developing, you know, because, I mean, like, football's football, but it's not like I've got to make millions where I can just live off it. Like, and it was, it was like, on paper, it was perfect. I was moving, finally moving home, and but, you know all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, didn't pan out that way. Like it was a great experience again. Not get this wrong. It was a great experience, but I should have, even if it was one more season, I should have just signed. Um like you know, could have those other places. But as soon as like Ross and I rang up about it, I was like, oh, it's obviously, I'm going to go with Don Like this. I'm not going to yeah. go anywhere else. That's like that would have been ideal, but um, I kind of, you know, look at the long game and be maybe an opportunity I wouldn't have got as well. I was kind of What I should have done, I should have gone back um that season and kind of played with the fans back in and all that kind of stuff. It would have been uh, it would have been pretty special.
0: Yeah, but you you go down to Morpeth town. You kind of mentioned it there, so you start working on the the non-football side. So tell us a little bit about
1: about what that role involved. (laughs) It turned out to involve everything, to be fair. It was meant to be like a bit of a sporting director role and help them with, like, you know, structure and recruitment and um, the playing staff and budgets and all that kind of stuff. But it turned out to be, like, all sorts, like logistics and um, community projects and all sorts of stuff. So, like, I mean... I've got, like, an affiliation with the club anyway, since I was there, like, just before I came up to Scotland the first time. So I knew, I know the owner really well. Um, and they were kind of keen to kind of kick on and go up through the leagues a bit. So there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of football league experience there. There fellas, lads I'd played with at Newcastle and stuff. And um, But like anything, it, would, it didn't really pan out that way, which was probably a good thing, you know, would expect them to go and, you know, up the, the budget and bring X, Y, and Z kind of players in, but it became very apparent that it was the opposite. It was more of a cut the budget and let's start, you know, trimming it down and make it more sustainable, which probably for me, that has been more beneficial than doing, to be totally honest with you. um, So it was, yeah, it was enjoyable. It was intense because I was there like nine to five and then I trained Tuesday, Thursday and then the away games in that league, although it's, you know, it's, it's one below the conference, but like, Miles away to travel, like, you know. I wasn't used to that. Even a county like you know, you travel to Glasgow and stuff, but it's only like three yeah, hours. You've got yeah, yeah. you've got like a pre-match meal at a hotel, but like we were stopping i just stopped at services and getting like a sausage roll from Gregs, and I was like, "What is going on?" So we're trying like professionalize it a little bit more and stuff like that. But it was decent, but it was just like a slog in the end, and it wasn't quite what it was built up to be. And I think. Uh, my wife wanted to kind of move back up because it wasn't ideal for her either. Because I was never there, like training twice a week. Then I was going off scouting and had meetings. And because a lot of the clubs are part time at that level, you couldn't go for a meeting and through the day unless you were going to one of the big clubs to try and get a loan. So, like it was like a twenty four seven role. And she didn't really have. She was working, but didn't really have a friends and family there, so it was tough for her. And then as soon as the daughter was on the way, we're like we'd made the decision. Like end of the season, we're going to move back and and see what happens. So. Um but it was good. I had like a couple of really good cup runs and the club's first ever loans and stuff and cut, like, you know, there was a lot of good work going on. Um but I had to weigh it all up and coming back up was definitely the best thing for us. It's been, to be fair, it's, it's, it's turned out that way as well. It's been it's been it's been nice being back up and spending time with family and all that kind of stuff. So um, right, mate. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a funny little journey.
0: Right. So what are you up to now?
1: Not, not not a lot. Not a lot to be fair. I kind of I was gonna keep playing at the start of the season and um I went and trained with a couple of people and played and I just knew I just I'm not I'm not in it now. I think um I didn't really want to play if I was gonna keep playing it based on the wrong reasons and I always knew that, I didn't want to do that, so I kind of stepped away from the playing, but at the minute I'm just kinda of being a dad and a bit. Uh, doing little bits and pieces here and there so um it's been nice having time I think it's like I say like you know you probably take it for granted but being able to like do stuff with the family pretty much every day especially having the weekends back, it's been um it's been pretty special doing stuff especially when my daughter's only like five months old four months old so That's I've seen yeah. her like every minute of her life so far it's been really special so um I'm just kind of working away, trying to kind of put something in place which is more sustainable and stuff. But um, but no, it's good. We're in a good place at the minute. It's, like I say, it's nice being back. It's been nice getting out a few games here and then and seeing some familiar faces.
0: Yeah, nice one, mate. Uh, just a few questions to kind of round up your your career in the game. So, what's been the most surreal moment? Would you say of your career?
1: I think one of the big ones was walking out with Hamden for the for the cup final. Was like that was amazing. Like, and it's because you're playing against one of the old firm, like like jumping. Like I just I don't even remember the United fans being there weirdly, because it was like just Celtic fans everywhere. And I know there was probably the, what there well, be was like twenty, 20 thousand United fans or whatever there, but yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. But like it was just crazy. Like I remember like in the game when like you're humming the songs because you knew some of the songs, like the Celtic songs, or whatever. Like, because it's that loud and it's like, it's like, it's, it's weird. It was like a weird experience, but that was yeah, that was that was special. Like, especially having, I don't know, like, I think two coach loads of mates came up from Newcastle. there was like 80 of them in the stand and all that, and all my family and all that stuff. So, that was special. That was because that's something not everyone gets a chance to, to experience. So, that was really cool.
0: Class. What's been uh, the biggest regret? of your career, would you say?
1: Probably not going back to i that last time. I know, like, if people go, oh, you know, don't, you know, it's podcast or something, but it is, I've spoken to a family about this, like, I should have, I should have gone back and played that one, more. like, I finished my career, so to speak, having another bad injury, Um, just when I was playing really well and then, uh, you know, injury strikes and, you know, I was on the up, I probably would have played, if I'd had that last injury, I probably would have played for another four years, probably full time or something. I I've, I've, I've felt the, the fittest I'd ever felt. And then, you know, like you have the surgery and to be fair, like, what they can do now is like a surgeon's incredible. You feel about 10, you feel like 10 years younger after they've been in there and done whatever. Um, So really, I probably should have gone and signed and probably been part, like looking, going back there now and seeing the buzz around the place, you'd be like, hmm, I've missed out on that a little bit. Um, and it would have been nice to kind of finish it. The film as well, you know, come full circle. But probably that. Apart from that, I don't think I really have any other ones. I think like the journey I've some amazing, ups and downs, and the experiences and the place I've been, the people I've met, and all that kind of stuff has been like you know, you, you couldn't write it basically. So um, it's been amazing from minute one. So yeah, the only one would would be that. Perfect, mate.
0: I don't know. Are you someone who collected memorabilia? And if so,
1: what would be that one special item that you've got? I don't really have like loads of memorabilia. Um, I did. I've got all my shirts. That's good. That's nice to have. You know, I've got all my like national ones in Northern Ireland and World of Island and Cup Final ones and everything. That's cool. But then I did like years ago, I am. Um, there's this thing called the Premier Cup. It's like a, a, a big tournament. I don't know how old it. Is, under fifteen or something. It's like all the big, like it's like worldwide. yeah, like UK based. Once all like the big Premier League clubs All blocked the blocked a shot, but maybe in me with my head, the kid had kicked me. I mean, those had kind of come off, and he the hospital and gets to sort. Turned out the Manchester United goalkeeper took me to the hospital and uh so i had it all stitched on the way back and he was like oh there's a couple of tops not in the back there just take one with you so i've like picked this top up and it was like a paul schools champions league top wow um they'd won like in spenna or something on the wednesday night this was on a friday so that was that's one thing it's pretty cool because it wasn't like the whole story behind it and how i just ended up in the keeper coach's car because i just had my nose stitched back on and then he's like just take one of those tops and it was like um paul schools one but to be fair actually i gave that one and it's son's stupidly because he's a big, big fan so I gifted him so he's got nice. it in his house now it's got it's in a better place like I'm not a Man United fan yet, I mean I don't like Unikids so, but that was a pretty cool bit of memorabilia um, that I used to have anyway oh uh, that's all my tops. it's nice to look back at them actually yeah nice um, a lot of them especially they're all signed by you know you get them all signed by the lads there in the season so there's some really cool ones there.
0: Nice one. Who's been your toughest opponent, would you say?
1: I think that even that, like, that first season, at Dunferm and we used to play Morton, like, they were just, like, big and horrible, and, like, the Morton Hardys and all these people, who were just, like, knew the game inside out, like, old school. Those kind of players, that season were tough. Um, but then you've got, like, I don't know, so many, like, you know, like Odds and Award, and people like that, who, like, were just, like, levels above, Like, he was just like, yeah, probably shouldn't be playing against him. Like he's like, you can play Premier League and play for France and all that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think, of like the best, best one would have played against. But the uh, play against Eden Hazard actually when you think with Belgium, that was a joke. He just kind of ran the show, like, but and we might as well not have been playing. He just played his own game, so he was mm. he was probably one of them. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many tough ones to be fair. Like Lyndon Dykes, to be fair. Lyndon Dykes was tough to play against. Like, I can see why he's playing where he's playing. He was like, even when he was a queen, he was decent. and Then he went Livy. And yeah, he was, and it was always like, you know, it was a good one because I, I kind of enjoyed all that physical side of it and so did he. So it was always a good battle. Um, so yeah, no, there was a few on there. I could really say one in particular who was, he was like the toughest. There's, mm-hmm. been a, there's been there's been a lot good players of players there though. There's ones for different reasons. Yeah, like first, we have a reserve game played Man United when I was like 15, and uh, Alan Smith was coming back from an ankle injury, and he just took the myth out of us for 90 minutes. Like threw me about the pitch, or, or like played played against us as if like he was playing and play. I was the kind of player he was, but weirdly, I then played with him at Newcastle when he signed and um, spent a bit of time with him and we had different operations at the same place and all this stuff like great blow but like he just played every game no matter the level or who against us if it was like his last game like amazing so that was a real baptism of fire that one
0: Brilliant mate Who's been your best teammate? would you say who's your best mate in football?
1: Uh, There's a a few good ones in there from different clubs Um, there's some good like people like Keith Watson who's now Rafe so I played with Keith at United and then again at, um, up at Ross County and we're like the same age and all that stuff and our partners are really close as well so Keithy's up there even like, like Holly, Alex Whittle and people like that you know what I mean you can't like these years you spend living with people and stuff like you build up build up strong bonds so those two are quite yeah, big ones um a lot of the lads, to be fair, a lot of the lads who were at Ross County, we had really good change room But Because everyone's up in the Highlands together, you spend, like, an outside of the tree and you're together all the time and all the families and the kids and the wives are all together. So a lot of those lads, Billy McKay's people, that we're really close with, who we still speak to all the time. So, um, yeah, there's so many. Like, I don't think I've got the same. I don't think there's, like, one in particular. Like, there's loads, and you, you come across each other's paths, like, Weirdly different different points for different things, especially when you get older. People might be give you a ring for a bit of advice, or or maybe give you a ring for like a contact or whatever. So like it's mad how you might to not speak to someone for a while and they get in touch and it kind of rekindles a bit. So that's how we've seen with a few people, which has been amazing. Um, but definitely Keithy Watson's up there.
0: Nice one. Uh, just to to finish up, so over two hundred appearances in football. How do you reflect back on your
1: your career? Like I say, I think mean, a bit one is about like as a career just being roller coaster, I think. Um like I say, there's only the regret will be not probably going back to firm and then suppose the only thing they always each is is different injuries. I think I don't think many people have had you know, of operations and injuries and stuff like that that I've had which has kind of curtailed certain things along the way of come to fruition which isn't which is kind of annoying. But then I suppose the flip side of that is a I haven't no all that chucked in as well. I've had, I've had a good career because a lot of people might not have kind of gone on that long haven't had, you know, hamstring constructions, ankle reconstructions, and this, that, and you're living. So I've done well to kind of stick in there and <laughs> and, uh, and drag it out. But, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the willis especially now about football. Um, there's so many things that you can, you know, that are relatable like a normal workplace but the situations that I've experienced that when I'm asked questions about certain things I can just jump straight to that experience but you now I've dealt with that or I've seen that or I've you know been involved in that so um it's been a great learning curve over over the course like so and so many great memories and so many good times to be fair. Um so yeah it's, so a, der- you know, it's, it's a tough career football but yeah I wouldn't change it it was it was a good ride like
0: it, mate. Well it's been great catching up and I'll see you at the Captain's Brunch in October. It'll be good to to see you again,
1: I will do. Yeah, look, looking forward to it. Will be really good. Yeah, It'll be really, really good. Um, nice to be like I say. It's nice to be able to get back now that I've got a weekend's on sitting on buses and all that. So, um, but no, thanks for your time. It was nice to have a chat. Talk, man, calm. Right, I'll catch you soon. Will
0: do. Remember to subscribe to Walking Down the Holby Road on your favorite podcast platform. Producer of this podcast was Jan Mokkivich. Music was supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. Thank you for listening and we look forward to walking down the Hobbies Road for another former path next month.